Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. Have you ever played that game where, you know, you could only keep one of three abilities? Like, Um, the ability to see, the ability to speak, or the ability to hear. Which one of the three would you keep if you had to lose two? Now, I think I would probably choose the ability to see. Uh, For me, the ability to see and have vision is probably more important than the other two things. I like to see what is ahead of me. I like to see what is coming at me. It's really important. And I I realize this about myself uh, in a number of ways. And one of those ways is actually when I'm driving on the freeway. You know, when I'm driving on the freeway and there's cars in front of me, I actually don't tend to watch the car right in front of me. I tend to watch the car that is in front of the car that is in front of me. So that when that car in front of the car that is in front of me puts its brake lights on, I have a lot of time to get ready to know that I probably am going to have to brake. And so I'm prepared for what is going to come at me. Now, that is great and good, but I sometimes face a dilemma because I really don't love being behind semi-trucks, right? Like, because I can't see ahead of what is ahead of the semi. And so I usually when I get behind a semi on the freeway, I pass it as fast as I can to get ahead of it. Now, that doesn't work all the time when it is really busy on the freeway, when all the lanes are clogged up and, and stuff. And so there is this dilemma that happens in me because there's a competing value that I have when I'm on the freeway. Not only do I love to look ahead, but I also want to win when I'm on the freeway. Because being on the freeway is all about winning, right? It's about getting past all the cars. And and I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Brent, what are you talking about? What are you talking about winning on the freeway? Here's the thing. If you don't share my mindset on this, it tells me that you lose every time you go on the freeway. And I'm the guy that is passing you every time you're on the freeway. So this this dilemma of wanting to see ahead and wanting to get ahead and win is hampered when I look at a clogged freeway and if I decide or think that the fastest lane is going to be the one behind the semi, I have to make a choice. Do I get in behind the semi so I can win? Or do I stay out from behind the semi so I can see far ahead? I know, it's, it's a crazy dilemma, and I'm sure none of you suffer that dilemma, and it's just me. And really, I'm a little bit off topic. But here's the point. The ability to see what lies ahead is important. Both when we're driving, but also in life. And it becomes really important for a church to be able to see where God wants us to go. Uh, Proverbs uh, 29, 18, there's a verse and an older translation, the King James Version, translates the first part of this verse as this, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Now, the context of this verse uh, is really talking about God's word. The NIV translates it this way. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And that revelation is talking about God's word for people. And what the proverb is telling us is that when we don't hear from God, when we don't know what God wants for us, we tend to get a little bit crazy. And yet that King James Version that has been around for years and years, that without vision, the people perish, has been picked up when we talk about leadership principles for the church. And in many ways, I think it's true. If you take that King James Version, when there is no vision for a church, the church ultimately will stumble and ultimately will perish. You see, Vision is important for the church. It's an important guide. It's an important signpost. It's an important thing that gives direction for a church. And yet, vision won't be effective for a church unless it is moored with a mission that is true. And the mission of a church is the reason why it exists. You see, our mission as Southridge is the reason why we exist. And, and our mission is like many other churches. It is based on two core principles in the Bible. The first one is the great commandment, which is found in Matthew chapter 22. And it talks about the, the greatest commandment being the commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second piece of our mission is the great commission which is when Jesus tells his disciples, kind of the last thing he says to them, he says, now go and make disciples of the rest of the world, teaching them to obey and get baptized, everything that Jesus has commanded. And so you have this, our mission is based on both the great commandment and the great commission that Jesus gives his disciples. And as a church, we've chosen to word it in a very particular way. And so our mission as Southridge is this, we exist, basically, to love God and change this world one life at a time. That's the capture of both those things. Great commandment, great commission. And so when we were planted 25 years ago, that was our mission. Now, we didn't come up with the wording of our mission statement until about 19 years ago, but we really felt as a church, as a group of people coming together to reach Langley, that we our, 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 the reason we existed was because we are called to love God and change this world one life at a time. So if mission answers the question, why do we exist, what does vision do for us? You see, vision answers the question, what are we to become? It is future-oriented. It is something that we are aspiring to or being called to. And from a Christian perspective, vision is always tied into what God wants for us as a church. And so when we talk about vision from a church perspective, there's this fundamental understanding that when we talk about vision, it is what we believe God is calling us to become. And it means we're not quite there yet. We're not yet there it is something we are working towards. And so at Southridge, we have, over the last number of years, we have taken uh, basically this understanding of a five-year vision cycle. So every five years, we relook at our vision to see if we've accomplished it, to see where we're at, and then come to God and ask, okay, God, what do you want us to become? What kind of church do you want us to become in the next five years? 
And so that's what we're trying to do when we talk about vision at Southridge. We're trying to understand what God, the type of church God wants us to become over the next five years. And so vision, and it's interesting when you talk about vision, there's a lot of different definitions, there's a lot of different ways of understanding of it. But when, how we've approached it as a church, we understand vision, that vision can either be a destination or it can be a direction. And let me give you an example. You see, 15 years we had met in a school gym. And near the end of that 15 years, we felt as a church that God was calling us to build the current facility we're in. So we cast this vision to the church saying, we believe God is setting a destination. And that destination was a building. And so we challenged our church. We called our church to give, to sacrifice, and to plan, and then to build the current building we're in. And at the end of it, when we moved in and celebrated that first service on June 20. Uh, 2011, we were at the end of that vision. We had reached the destination. We had accomplished what we had believed God had called us to do in that particular aspect of our church. But over the years, there have been many times when we have felt that God has given us a vision that is not a destination per se, but more of a direction to go. And oftentimes our visions are more about the direction that God wants to point us in and the direction that we want to travel towards. And at the end of the five years, we get to evaluate, did we actually reach any milestones? Did we reach the things that God wanted us? Are we, have we changed to become the church that God is calling us to become? And so this past spring, the Southridge partners voted on a new vision. And this new vision uh, we've been working on for a little while. And so I want to share this new vision with you today. And here's what the vision statement says. As we follow Jesus daily, we will intentionally take risks to bravely live outward. Now you go, okay, Brent, wow. Okay. Like, that sounds good. But what does it actually mean? If you've ever been part of crafting a vision statement or a mission statement, even for your own personal life, you know that you often take time to look at each specific word because words mean something, don't they? They carry significance. And and every word in our vision statement means something to us. And it may not mean the same thing for someone outside our church if they were just reading it. But for those of us who are part of Southridge, Every phrase in this vision statement means something to us, and it's going to challenge us over the next five years. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to break down our vision statement and share with you some of the things that our vision statement means to me and to us as a church. And today, all I want to do is spend time on the first little section of the vision statement, and that is, as we follow Jesus daily. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to focus on. And that phrase might be familiar to some of you. uh, Because, you know what? Honestly, it sounds very Christianese, doesn't it? As we follow Jesus daily. there's It just sounds like something a Christian would say. Definitely not something our culture would understand. Definitely someone who doesn't know anything about, you know, the church or Jesus. They wouldn't understand that either. But so for us... It's, it's a statement that is really directed to us as the church. And we need to understand 
what we are saying when we talk about as we follow Jesus daily. You see, there is actually a lot wrapped up in that little statement. It actually is a very weighty statement. In our previous vision statement as a church, we we realized that the direction that God was pointing us to included spending a, a fair amount of time understanding our discipleship process and how we were making discipleship disciples as a church. We realized that although we had a number of good things going on, we weren't structurally, uh, uh, in a way, putting things together that made sense from a process perspective. There wasn't an overarching view of how we were making disciples. And so we spent a lot of time coming up with our discipleship process, which we ended up calling our discipleship rhythms. And there was five of these rhythms. And so over the last couple of years, we have been sharpening our focus on discipleship. We've studied the Bible, we've researched what other churches are doing, and as we developed our discipleship rhythms, we really actually feel like we really just discovered what they are, that they've always been a part of us, but now we have actually got names for them, and it's the five discipleship rhythms, and if you've been at Southridge for a couple of years now, you will have heard the language we are using and the language I'm using. And we believe that these five discipleship rhythms kind of form the core of what it means to be a disciple. And if you practice these five rhythms, we believe it will allow you to grow to become a mature disciple of Jesus. And so what are these five rhythms? The first one is celebrate big. And this rhythm is this idea that we come together as the church, as Southridge. Not that we're the only church, but as God's, you know, light in this particular part of Langley as Southridge. We come together and we celebrate who God is and what he's done every week. We celebrate big. Then the second one is community with a few. That's the the next rhythm. And with community with a few, this rhythm allows us to find authentic community where we, in a small group, where we are encouraged, but also challenged in our faith. Another rhythm is the serve one another rhythm. And this rhythm is where we live out really the one another commandments of the New Testament, including making use of our spiritual gifts and using those gifts to build up the church, to build up Southridge, because that's what God has called us to do. The fourth rhythm is engaging in the mission together. And by that, we mean we use the resources that God has given us, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's skills, whether it's wisdom, all those resources we use to both share the gospel and to show the love of Jesus to others in our community and the world. And then there's the fifth one. And the fifth one is to follow Jesus daily. And Following Jesus daily is a reminder that we are to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. You know, we, we practice the spiritual disciplines like reading God's word, praying, and, and many of the other disciplines. Those are all things that help us follow Jesus daily. But we also need to make sure that, that we don't fall into the trap that sometimes happens when we just talk about spiritual disciplines, like it becomes a checklist. The idea between, behind the rhythm of following Jesus daily is this. That we are intentionally trying to pursue Jesus every day. And that we bring Jesus into our conversations every day. That we bring Jesus into our decisions 
every day. That we are open to where Jesus wants us to go, the people that Jesus wants us to talk to, the conversations he wants us to have, the decisions he wants us to make on a daily basis. And by doing that, we believe that we draw closer to Jesus. The, the encouragement of following Jesus daily is that you start your day focused on Jesus. You go through the day focused on Jesus. You end your day focused on Jesus. And we believe that all five of these things are important for discipleship. But as we were evaluating how we were doing, we felt that we were probably the weakest in the five areas on the follow Jesus daily aspect. And you may be wondering is like, where does this following Jesus daily come from? It actually comes out of Matthew chapter four, verse 19, where Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry and he's walking along. And in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And then in verse 19, at the very beginning, he comes up to them and he says, come, follow me, Jesus says. And basically, that's what Jesus says to all the disciples, the, the men that, and women that he gathered around himself. He said, come, follow me. And Jesus' purpose in doing that was that for the next three years, as he did his public ministry all throughout uh, Israel and even into Samaria, he had these men and women who were following him, observing him, listening to his teaching. So he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. He was teaching them about who God really was. He was teaching them about the things that he was going to do. But I think at the same time, he was also on those daily walks, on the, the daily sitting around the fire eating. He was also deprogramming them from the things that they thought they knew. You see, they all were grown, had grown up in a very religious culture. And they all had ideas of what a good Jewish person would be, someone who would be acceptable to, to God. And Jesus had to deprogram that, that idea because so much of what they thought they knew was actually wrong. And so this idea of following Jesus daily is the same idea for us. It's this idea that sometimes the things we get in our head and in our mind is actually not the things that God wants for us. It's wrong attitudes. It's wrong perspectives. And if we're not trying to follow Jesus daily, we can get sidetracked into these views. We can pursue things in our life that Jesus doesn't want for us. And yet if we're not checking in with him on a daily basis, we can go a long time and not even realize that that's not what he wants for us in our life. This idea of, of following Jesus daily is so important. And yet, during Jesus' ministry, and especially at the end, Jesus changes his command from come follow me to go. And in Matthew chapter 28, and we've talked about it, this is the Great Commission, it's verse 19, where he says to the disciples, kind of the last thing he says to them before he ascends to heaven, he says, go and make disciples. And that has been the challenge and the command that the church has been trying to live for the last 2,000 years. In essence, what Jesus is saying and said to the disciples is this, replicate what I did for you for others. So what I showed you, you need to live now and show that to others. That's what making a disciple is all about. You now have to replicate what Jesus had done. And so since that time, the church to have varying degrees of success, I think, if we're honest, has been trying to make disciples. And if we're honest, 
I think sometimes, you know, a lot of churches don't do a very good job of helping people understand what it means to be a disciple, let alone help them and show them how to live that discipleship life out. Daniel M., in his book, uh, his discipleship book, actually, No Silver Bullets, uh, talks about the different perspective churches uses and the different processes churches often use to define how they make a disciple. And I found it very enlightening. He actually uses a mathematical concept. Uh, it's called the set theory to describe how different churches approach discipleship making in their context. And he talks about two different set theories. The first set theory is the bounded set theory. And what that means is if simply is if something falls within the brackets, then it is in that set. And it's, this is easy for us to understand, I think. And I'll steal Daniel's example. He says this, if your neighbor has a furry animal that barks, pants, likes belly rubs, and chases its tail, you know that it is some type of dog, right? But you also know, in knowing that it is a dog, you also know this, that it is not a bird. And so his example is this, that in bounded sets, dogs are in one bounded set, birds are in another bounded set, and you don't cross the two. You're either a dog or you're a bird. You're not a combination of the two. And even though you know dogs come in different colors, in different sizes, in different breeds, you know, one dog is not more of a dog than another. Although as I say that out loud, I'm pretty sure those little purse dogs, they're not full dogs. I'm pretty sure. I think they're like maybe eighth of a dog. Yeah. Bounded sets. But what about the center? And then the second set that he talks about is the centered set. And this one's a little harder to understand because there's not a lot of concrete examples of a centered set. But think about it this way. Uh, every centered set has a center point. And things are either moving towards the center point or they're moving away from the center point. And the things to be considered as part of the set are only those that are moving towards the center point. And so this is helpful when we're talking about discipleship because a bounded set lens on discipleship means this. Churches that hold a bounded set kind of view of discipleship often view maturity based on how long you've been a disciple. Not about how much growth you are, not maybe how much you are more like Christ, but how long you've been a disciple. Or they may have a process of discipleship that includes certain classes, like a 101 to 401. And if you've gone through all four classes of discipleship, they would view you as a mature disciple. And yet we know that that's not always the case. Sometimes it is. A bounded set perspective on discipleship looks at, hey, are you regularly coming to church do you regularly serve? It's almost like there's a checklist. And so what is a centered set lens on discipleship? What does that mean? Really what that means is that a centered set view of discipleship is this. Maturity occurs in a Christian. The closer they get to the center, Jesus. And as you continue to be focused on Jesus, as you continue towards the center, you're part of the center set. So you continue to grow in maturity. And yet we know so often that our focus gets changed, shifted, and 
Oftentimes, we find ourselves not going to the center. We tend to be going away from Jesus, right? And so we know at those moments that we are not maturing in our faith. And so I think this is a helpful concept for us to understand what maturing in our faith, what becoming a mature disciple is all about. It's when we stay focused on the center, when we become closer and closer to Jesus. Eugene Peterson, I think, captures this centered set idea in his definition of what he believes a disciple is. And this is his definition of a disciple. It is a long obedience in the same direction. It is staying the course, moving towards Jesus, becoming more Christ-like because we are getting closer and closer to Jesus. So why is following Jesus daily so important to us? It is important because, you know what? I think you can actually do the other four rhythms and not even be a Christian. You see, you can, uh, you can serve others and do it, not because you're doing it because God's called you to do it, Jesus wants you to do it. You can just do it because you like serving others and it makes you feel good. You know what? There's, uh, you can join others on mission be engaged in mission together. You can do that with others, but it can be instead of serving God with your gifts and and stewarding your time and resources, it can all just be about the humanitarian concept. And at the end, you're helping someone, but you're doing it because you feel good and you think that you ought to. The same thing about small groups. You can join a small group not because you want them to challenge you in your faith or grow in your faith or learn something. You can do it just because you like people and you like to hang out with them. Or even the fourth one, you can even come to Sunday morning services and sit here. But if you don't get anything out of it, if you don't worship God, if you don't uh, celebrate who God is and what he's done, it really doesn't mean anything. You can do all four of those things and never get mature. You can just go through the motions. In fact, all four of those rhythms are used by cults and false religions. They all use those things. It's the fifth rhythm, the following Jesus daily, which centers us on Jesus, which separates us from everything else. You see, when we commit to following Jesus daily, we realize, soon realize that God uses the other four rhythms to help us in our maturity. So the question I have for you is this. Are you moving towards Jesus or are you moving away from him right now? You see, sin, distractions in life, idols, addictions, there's so many things that cause us to turn our focus away from Jesus. In fact, it causes us to go away, not towards the center, but be repelled from the center. So do you need to repent of something right now? Is there something in the way that's blocking you from walking with Jesus daily? Do you need to confess something? Maybe there's some burden that is weighing you down that is stopping you from moving towards Jesus. Do you need to confess something right now? Maybe do you need to acknowledge that Jesus isn't the priority in your life right now. And it's being revealed to you right now that you need to make Jesus the priority in your life. Or maybe you're listening to this and you don't even know Jesus. And maybe the thing you're hearing right now is the same thing that Jesus told those disciples. 
He's just saying to you, come, follow me. Will you? Will you follow him? Will you start the journey towards him? You see, um, as we think about this vision statement, there's a key aspect in the first two words. Did you notice it? It says, as we follow Jesus daily. You know, there is always a faithful group in every church that lives an authentic life of following Jesus daily because that's how a church survives. There's always a group. The problem is in often many churches, that group is really small. But if we really want God to move in Southridge, if we really want to see God do incredible things in us and through us into our community and our world, then I believe that it has to be more than just a small group of people who are following Jesus daily and living out the rest of the discipleship rhythms. It needs to be all of us. That's why intentionally we put as we, meaning as we Southridge, as we the church, as we collectively come together and follow Jesus daily, we expect Jesus to do amazing things in our life and in our community through us. We expect to see him move in many ways like the early church where God did amazing things. And I think that's part of the reason why the early church functioned the way it did is because all of them were following Jesus daily. It wasn't just a few of them. It was all of them. You see, this is what I believe. We will never become the church God wants us to become if we don't become the disciples that God intends us to be. Thank you for joining us today. We hope and pray that you experienced God in our message. In a moment, you'll see some questions come up. And whether you are watching alone or with a group of people, we encourage you to just walk through these questions and, and ponder what they're asking. Um, for more information about who we are, again, I'd like to point you to our website, southridgefellowship.ca. Um, so here are the questions. As of right now, do you feel you are moving closer to Jesus or away from him? And why? What is the biggest hindrance in your life to following Jesus daily? I know for me that this is my phone. I'm always on it. And, and I could definitely be praying more than when I'm on it, just watching YouTube videos or something. And then what do you feel you need in order to follow Jesus more daily? Thank you very much. And we will see you next week.